The Katie Swatis Social Justice Podcast is now available on iTunes and elsewhere with the award-winning adventure novel Irreversible Damage by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. In this first book of a series on contemporary social justice activism, Katie, the youngest daughter of two Mexican-American lawyers, has lived a sheltered upbringing in a wealthy Paradise Valley neighborhood of Phoenix. Life there never prepared her for the upheaval and tragedy that was to surround her and many of her loved ones. Irreversible Damage, the Katie Suarez Social Justice Series, a novel by J.L. Reese, narrated by Mike Gomez. Chapter 2, Popular the small neighborhood of Paradise Valley, with its winding streets, multi-million dollar homes, and beautifully designed drought-resistant lawns, was the pride of Phoenix. The elite lived there. On any Sunday morning, you could see its influential entrepreneurs, politicians, and celebrity residents drive through the well-manicured winding avenues in their Bentleys, Ferraris, and S-Class Mercedes. The residents decided to incorporate and form their own local government in the 60s to keep separate from the neighboring cities in order to maintain more exclusive standards. Paradise Valley was clean, safe, beautiful, and the population was 97% white. Residents of Paradise Valley like to brag about this and say, there is a reason why Paradise is in the name. Phoenix in May could reach a temperature of 110 degrees, but regardless of the hellish heat outside, air conditioners provided the ideal temperature in the impeccably clean and bright halls of Washington High School. It was no ordinary high school. Students were polite, academic achievement was valued, and a good number of seniors were accepted to the top colleges and universities in Arizona and in the country. After all, Washington High School was in Paradise Valley. On that particularly hot and windy day, two weeks before the end of school, the air was filled with the talk of prom, end-of-the-year parties, yearbooks, and plans for summer. Near the lockers on the East Hall, Mark Swatis, Katie's older brother, and Zach McIntosh, two of the most popular juniors at school, were having the usual friendly banter about football. Zack, with a smile from ear to ear, sarcastically asked, So, how do you feel about your stinking cowboys now? I just heard that John Patterson is in trouble with the law again and may be suspended four more games. What the hell is wrong with your guys? They can't stay out of trouble. There goes your season. Mark enjoyed the dig. Dude, you're full of shit. With or without John, we're going to kick the Cardinals' ass badly this year. You can't even get a decent quarterback who will stay healthy, making reference to the previous season when the Cardinals had three quarterbacks play, Palmer, Lindley, and Stanton. Palmer is healthy, and we're going to go all the way, baby. Dream on, dude. You guys will choke as usual. Carl Jones Another varsity player who was eavesdropping close by said with sudden fury, Mark, you're a fucking traitor. Why can't you root for our local teams? 
Romo is too old and beat up to do anything anyway. Your useless cowboys and their multi-million dollar budget are going to embarrass themselves again. Mark, in the same fun teasing tone he used with Zach, responded to Cole, Screw you, Cole. What do you know about football anyway? But Cole did not take it as banter. He made it a personal insult and lunged for Mark's throat with his hands. Zack saw the rage in Cole's eyes and put his massive arm around him, using the weight of his six-foot-three frame to gently stop the much smaller Cole. Dude, what's wrong with you? We're just bullshitting here. Cole, still under Zack's grip, responded, I hate this motherfucking traitor. He likes the Cowboys only because Romo's Mexican and his people always brood for outside teams. What's next? Is he going to cheer for the Dodgers? Hey, man, we're just talking about sports here. It's not life or death. Mark was surprised to hear Zach, as he knew sports was his life. No, man, this asshole has always been a traitor, shouted Cole. Mark was shocked because he barely knew Cole. They had gone to the same junior high school, but had little interaction over the years, and he didn't know where his animosity was coming from. Zack let go of Cole and said in a more serious tone, Just shake it off, Cole. You guys are both varsity team members. This shit can't happen between teammates. Mark extended his hand to Cole, but Cole gave him the finger, said, Fuck you, and walked away. Zack looked at Mark and said, What did you do to him? Nothing. I barely know him. Zack clicked his tongue and said, He'll get over it, don't sweat it. Zack had no clue how wrong he was. After Cole left, both friends were left with an uneasy feeling, the way people feel after they just saw a tragedy. They attempted to go back to their football banter, but they were both distracted. Fortunately, the angel Savannah, her friend Paige, and two more girls from the cheerleading squad walked by, and as usual, both boys' eyes were on them. Savannah was the girl every boy in the school dreamed about. She was tall, had perfect freckles, and walked with her head up like a model on a runway. Turning to them, Savannah said, Hi, Mark. Mark's and Savannah's eyes locked. He felt a jolt of electricity go through his body. He tried to respond, but the words did not come out, and all he could do was smile. And just like that, the beautiful girls walked away. Zach's testosterone exploded the moment the girls passed. What the hell? She just said hi to you. Am I freaking invisible? The obvious jealousy dripped from his words. I think she's got a crush on me, Mark said. Though he didn't believe it, he knew Zack liked her and knew the comment would piss him off. Screw you, you're dreaming, Zack shoved Mark and stormed off to his next class. Mark had always been a loyal friend to Zack, but he secretly envied Zack's coolness, good looks, and athletic abilities. He looked up to Zack, but like any 17-year-old boy full of bravado, he didn't want Zack to realize he looked up to him. Zack was handsome, honest, and very likable. 
It didn't take long to know Zach was one of the good guys. Zach's parents met at the University of Alabama, where Zach's dad, Tom McIntosh, was the quarterback of the Crimson Tide, and Zach's mom, Anne, played volleyball on the varsity team. Zach's parents were not just great athletes. They were also good students. Both got degrees in business administration from the University of Alabama. Anne was born in Phoenix and missed her family, so when they got married, they moved back to Arizona. For Tom, moving to Phoenix was a big change because it was a modern city in the desert. He grew up in the small town of Abernant and had not experienced much diversity. Phoenix had a large population of Mexican and Mexican-American people, close to 40%. And from what he could see, these immigrants from another country were capable laborers, gardeners, nannies, cooks, and friendly people. He ended up liking them and always treated them kindly. Tom fell in love with their very popular Mexican food and adapted well to the hot weather. Once in Phoenix, and with a child on the way, Tom accepted a job as a lower-level business analyst at GEICO. But using the leadership skills learned on the football field, he moved up. He was a force to be reckoned with, and it didn't take long for him to become COO of the company. Anne was equally successful as a Tom executive at Walmart. The Macintosh family was devoutly Christian, went to church every Sunday, and raised their kids to have good values, to be respectful, and to help others. Zach's older sister, Jenny, was beautiful and wanted to help the entire world. As soon as she finished college, she enrolled in a church mission and moved to Zimbabwe to help as many children as possible get an education. Zach and his sister grew up chasing and catching balls, so being an athlete was in Zach's blood. Since he was three, he was swinging a bat, and Little League followed. Zach was excellent at every sport, and he was usually much bigger than the other kids. When Zach was eight years old, he swung the bat and hit the ball so hard, it went straight into the young pitcher's face, and the poor boy bled instantly. Instead of running to first base, Zach ran towards a crying pitcher and did everything he could to help. Later that night, Anne saw he couldn't sleep and said, Honey, you have to go to sleep. Mom, I just feel so bad I hurt that boy, Zach said. Anne smiled and kissed him, and she knew Zach had a kind heart. Zach's parents had their priorities straight. They organized their schedules to ensure that one of them would take the kids to every Little League baseball, peewee football, and AYSO soccer practice and game they could. When they couldn't, they had Socorro. Socorro was the Macintosh's kid's nanny during their entire childhood. As the youngest, Zach and Socorro shared a special love, and he called her Soco. She taught him Spanish and told him stories about her hometown, Tepatitlan, a very small pueblo in Jalisco. Soco was light-skinned with very dark hair and green eyes. She told him that when she was a child, they didn't have electricity in her home in Tetapitlan, 
and some people still moved around on horses and mules. She told them stories about chasing rabbits, running in beautiful green fields, climbing to the top of the mountain, and looking at a beautiful valley with green rolling hills. Young Zack would listen and dreamed of this lovely place and looked forward to hearing Soko's stories about Mexico. The Macintoshes treated Socorro like part of the family. Socorro had two young girls of her own, and every once in a while she would bring them with her, and they would play with the Macintosh kids. There was a lot of love in that home. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts for the Katie Suarez Social Justice Podcast, based on the 2019 Best Latino Focus Fiction novel, Irreversible Damage, by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. An empowering story of a young woman's fight for justice. Ambassador Julian Nava. Fascinating story. With so many important historical facts interwoven into it, this is an eye-opener. Jerry Velasco, Mayor Pro Tem, City of El Monte.